and there are additional stories out there. But when, when I want to know what's really going on in the world internationally, I reach out to my friend, Gordon G. Chang, and he's Gordon G. Chang on Twitter slash X, and you should follow him as well if you have curiosity outside of our borders, because a lot of that affects us. And he's joining us today. Merry Christmas, my friend. How are you? I'm fine, Mike. And Merry Christmas and a safe new year to you. I hope we're going to have a great new year. It, it kind of feels like we have an opportunity, Gordon, and, and sometimes that's all you need is the opportunity. And I'm, I'm willing to make a run at it if it's there. Gordon, where are we going? Is there some unholy alliance developing between China and Russia? Well, certainly, Mike. I mean, that's been going on for quite some time. But certainly we've seen this in the Ukraine war. You know, on February 4th, 2022, which was just 20 days before Russia's attack, um, Beijing and Moscow issued their 5,300-word joint statement where they declared their no limits partnership. And we have seen after Russia's attack that China fully supports Russia. I mean, with elevated commodity purchases, which means that Beijing is financing the war, but also China has been supplying lethal assistance, diplomatic cover, propaganda support. Uh, China opened up its financial system to sanction Russian institutions. So China has been there to backstop the, backstop the Russian war effort, just like it is financing Iran's war against Israel with its elevated commodity purchases and with supplying all sorts of military equipment to Iran and therefore ending up in the hands of its proxies, Hezbollah, the Houthi militia, and Hamas. Hmm. Well, one thing that strikes me here, Gordon, when, when you talk about China and Russia working together, doing trade deals together, and then also purchasing from Iran, and, and they're all kind of funding each other. And you might even, you might even add North Korea in there because I'm sure they're providing some kind of munitions somewhere and there's money being traded back and forth. Isn't that a closed system that's kind of like uh, 10 antique dealers on a desert island, but they only have one antique, but they're all making money? Well, you know, that's just a really great analogy because, for instance, North Korea has been supplying artillery shells to Russia for use in Ukraine. Um, North Korea has been supplying ballistic missiles to Iran. Um, China has been supplying um, nuclear weapons technology to Iran. And so they do all deal with each other. And it is becoming more of a closed system, especially because they're moving away from the dollar um, in order to avoid U.S. sanctions. So it is, it's sort of like the world partitioning itself off, where you have this access of Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, maybe Algeria, and a few others. So in order for us, the West, and especially America, to take advantage of that, if this, this axis of, of uh, the left exists with China, Russia, and several of their friends and surrogates, What's the best way for us to expedite their financial demise, which would ultimately split them apart and have each one of those systems melt down? Well, first of all, um, all of this is supported by the Chinese economy, which really is failing right now. So, for instance, if we were to increase tariff barriers on Chinese goods, um, that would put a real dent into China. Also, the president of the United States, using his emergency powers, can actually get companies 
off of Chinese soil. We can end technical cooperation agreements. There's also things that we can do right now in a China which really is ailing and which really depends on the United States. You know, when Xi Jinping came to San Francisco on November 15th, yeah, he was there to talk to Biden. But more important, he wanted to talk to those 400 CEOs and corporate executives at that dinner, because in a way, that was as or even more important to China than his conversations with the American president. So it is about business for China to keep their economy alive and it's American business that they need so desperately. Gordon, if you're looking forward, uh, looking ahead to 2024, um, I, we know that the Democratic Party doesn't seem to have the best way to deal with China. Is there a, um, a, a presidential candidate or two you think has a good handle on how we should deal with China? I think that if you look at Trump, Haley and DeSantis have much better China policies than the other ones. Um, you know, the question is, what are they going to actually do if they're elected? You know, and we've seen Trump. I mean, and clearly Trump in office was great. He didn't go as far as I would have liked him to go, but got to remember that he started the process of delinking from China. He started the process of putting America first, not China first. And these are really important moves. So, you know, Trump does have a record, but you can say that what Haley and, and DeSantis have been saying about China also is good. It didn't uh, Vivek Ramaswamy say something about he would deal with China as well? Yeah, he's talked about China um, and he's also talked about Russia and Ukraine and ideas that, um, you know, superficially sound good, but are really um, counterproductive to the United States in the long term. Because um, I think a lot of his policies are not well thought out. You know, I don't know what a President Ramaswamy would do, but if the president were to follow what the candidates were to say, it would be a disaster with regard to China and Russia because Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin would have him for breakfast. That's interesting. Very interesting. I, I'm uh, fascinated by what uh, Gordon Chang has to say. Our guest is Gordon G. Chang. You should follow him on Twitter X. Uh, Gordon, you and I have often talked about China's saber rattling around Taiwan. And while um, you've told me recently it looks like China may try and do a, uh, a soft takeover by putting a candidate in, in uh, the running in Taiwan that would be uh, pro-Beijing, uh, do you have an update on that situation? Yeah, the... Uh, presidential and the national election, because it's also the national legislature, is January 13th. For president, there are three candidates. One of them is the Taiwan, pro-Taiwan candidate. That's Vice President William Lai of the Democratic Progressive Party, which is the governing party right now. There are two other candidates who have got a generally pro-China orientation. And recently, um, it used to be William Lai had a double-digit, almost 20% lead. That was cut down to almost nothing. And now William Lai seems to be opening up a lead again of now almost 10 points. So that's going in the right direction. But, you know, we will not know because that election will be fought on a lot of issues which have nothing to do with China. The Democratic Progressive Party is considered to be poor at governing. And so William Lai suffers from that. 
but he's got a great vice presidential candidate, and she seems to be pushing him into better territory. So we will know on January 13th. And by the way, the Taiwan elections are fair. They're done by paper ballot. The ballots are counted in front of everybody. The possibility of fraud is really, really small. We ought to be learning from the Taiwanese about how to run an election. Wait a minute. You're saying an election can happen probably in one day, paper ballots, and they're all counted in front of people? Yeah. The the ballots are placed in a plexiglass box, which everyone can see. After the polls close, they are open. Poll workers then count the ballots. But what they do is they show the ballot to everybody in the room. So everybody has a tally. You know, every candidate is represented by a poll watcher who counts the ballot. So you've got, you know, basically it's impossible to cheat. So you don't have these poll workers that we have working in these rooms at midnight, which are closed off and where the cameras go dark. I mean, that's outrageous. I mean, if we want a fair election, we know how to run it. But neither party wants a fair election. So we end up with these crazy election procedures that that just invite fraud. Gordon, one more question here, because this kind of surprised me. We saw in the last couple of weeks people like John Fetterman, who initially was painted as a Democrat progressive in the Senate, the guy from Pennsylvania who wears the shorts and the hoodies. And he has come out and said he would support removing property ownership from China in this country. And I don't know how that happens because a lot of people are questioning how do you take that that property away. It, does this signal a change, a shift in overall Democrat policy, or is Fetterman an outlier in your opinion? I think Fetterman represents a trend in American opinion that Chinese parties should not be owning U.S. farm and ranch land. And we can do it. Um, For instance, two ways. I mean, we can expropriate it, which we pay compensation. That's required under the Constitution. But if a Chinese party, and many of them are, are committing crimes on their land, we can forfeit that land. In other words, take it without compensation. Um, That has been approved by the Supreme Court in a series of cases. We know the Chinese are using their properties for illegal marijuana grows, for human trafficking operations, probably for espionage as well. So we have the right to take that property without compensation. And we should be definitely doing that because we don't need more criminals in our country. Yeah, we we have plenty. And many of them are in D.C., we're finding out. Gordon Chang is always a great guest, in my opinion. And all my radio buddies are always jealous when I get you, Gordon. I know you were up early this morning working. I saw you on Fox, so I appreciate you carving out a little time to update us. And I encourage everybody, follow Gordon on Twitter. It's just a great follow. And I'll tweet out a link to that that latest piece you posted yesterday about the world's most dangerous combination, China and Russia. Very well written, sir. Thank you so much. And again, Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year to you and your bride. Thank you so much, Mike. And I hope everybody has a safe, a safe New Year.